Hi, I'm Rachel, and you're listening to the Tipsy Traveler podcast, where we talk about cocktails, travel stories, and how-tos. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to the 13th episode of the Tipsy Traveler podcast. Today, I'm going to be talking about my time in Kenya. So I spent about two and a half months there in 2014. So, wow, six years ago. (laughs) And I want to share about why I was there, what I was doing, and just some of the fun stories that I remember, if I can remember anything from that far back. (laughs) But first, of course, let us talk about cocktails. If I'm being honest, I did not drink when I was in Kenya because I was not 21 yet. And while I probably could have, because I'm pretty sure the drinking age is 18 there, I just didn't. (laughs) I don't really have any other reason than I just didn't. So this is a cocktail that I found online that is a Kenyan cocktail and it's called the Dawa, which in Swahili means medicine. It's rumored that it can cure whatever ails you. I don't know if that's true necessarily, so maybe do your research before you depend on this as your medicine, but it is a tasty cocktail. So it is just about a shot of vodka, two bar spoons, so like the little spoon full of brown sugar, a lime that's all cubed up, and a honey-coated stir stick to kind of garnish and bring a little bit more sweetness in it. I've got to say, it reminds me a lot of a gimlet, which is gin and lime but obviously a little bit different since there's brown sugar and honey and also vodka and not gin. But anyway, it's really delicious and refreshing and highly recommend. And if you have something that ails you, maybe it'll help you out a little bit. So my time in Kenya was spent working with a nonprofit that essentially comes into communities and says, how can we best help you do what you're already trying to accomplish? So a lot of nonprofits, especially ones that are more religious, I'm not trying to be mean, but (laughs) tend to come in and say, hey, we're going to help you. This is how we're going to do it. This nonprofit came in and said, hey, you're already doing amazing things. How can we help you accomplish the things that you already are working on in your communities? So sometimes that meant manpower. Sometimes that meant resources or money. It just kind of varied depending on what the people in the community were trying to accomplish. So I worked with a school and they needed help essentially narrowing down a bus route, a bus schedule, because they were having a lot of problems with kids showing up like two hours late because the buses were late. So I rode (laughs) a school bus over and over again for about two weeks. Every morning, I would wake up at like 4.30 in the morning and go get on the bus by like 5.15. And it was like a three-hour bus ride situation every morning to go pick up these kids. And I spent time working with the principal and the bus drivers to work on a plan because they were obviously all so busy with other things, they couldn't focus time on this. So essentially I had time. (laughs) That's what I was doing. So, and then I also worked as like, like a teacher shadow and a substitute when they needed that as well. Definitely quite an experience as a 20 year old because I hadn't really had a real job. Like I had worked retail jobs. I think I worked at Panera, so food industry and like retail jobs. But this was one of the first times that I feel like people looked at me as an 
adult, which was really intimidating, especially being in another country and that happening for the first time. But obviously, I did not work sun up to sundown every single day. Most of the time, I would ride the bus in the morning and then work in the office for a few hours until like two or three-ish because I was starting so early. I would end pretty early. And I was staying with a host family actually right near the school that I was working at. They had a spare bedroom that I stayed in, that I lived in. And it was really great because we all ate dinner together and they would teach me how to cook different Kenyan dishes and I would forget how to do it by the next day and they'd have to reteach me. But it was really great feeling like I was part of a family unit and not just staying in a fancy hotel somewhere while I did the work that I was doing, but I actually got to really understand the culture from the people who were born and raised there. And we also were able to do some pretty fun things. So essentially the internship program that I was with, we had three American interns and six Kenyan interns all working on this team. And we were all kind of doing different things, but with the same organization. So we would have different meetings to kind of make sure that we were meeting all the regulations and whatever, you know, work stuff. But we also became pretty good friends. And one night we had a sleepover (laughs) at my host family's house. And because now there were, you know, nine other people there, eight other people, math is hard. I offered to sleep in the living room on the couch because I can pretty much sleep anywhere. It's one of my greatest skills. I can curl up anywhere and fall asleep if I want to. So I was like, it doesn't really matter to me. I can just sleep on the couch. No big deal. And what I didn't think through was the fact that my bed had a mosquito net and the couch did not. And so I got eaten alive by mosquitoes, which definitely wasn't the first time I had been bitten by mosquitoes in Kenya, but it was significantly worse because I was asleep and couldn't shoo them away, you know, swat them away. So that was fun. And then for weeks after that, I had to wash my sheets pretty much every night or every day because I would scratch my mosquito bites in my sleep and bleed everywhere. Uh, And I still have scars like all over my ankles. Not all over my ankles. It's really hard to see unless you know what you're looking for. But I I do have mosquito bite scars from Kenya. So I also was taking malaria pills for the first couple of weeks that I was there. And I was having some really horrific hallucinations. And I mean, like I would be in the car with my host dad and he would be driving somewhere. And I would like hallucinate that we crashed. And I would start panicking and it was, it was really weird. I've never experienced anything like it before. So I knew that that was one of the side effects of malaria pills and I stopped taking them. (laughs) And then the week after that, I got really sick and my host family was pretty sure that it was malaria. I don't quite know what they gave me, but they gave me medicine that was supposed to help and it did. And so I never actually went to the doctor. I was never like diagnosed with malaria, but it was, (laughs) I'm pretty sure I ended up getting malaria. Either way, whether it was malaria or not, I got really sick like the third week and I was barely able to work. I mean, I did a couple days of work, mostly like office stuff, but it was really a struggle. I didn't start taking the pills again, the malaria pills, because of the the hallucinations were just so bad. I, I couldn't handle it. But despite all of that, <laughs> we went on a safari and it was actually pretty cool because my host family had a friend who owned a bunch of land that he did safaris on and then also did like camping adventures on his land. So we actually went with him and I remember feeling so free for lack of a better word, sitting on top of this like 
safari jeep driving through this random piece of land that a friend of a friend had and we got to see all kinds of fun stuff and then we camped overnight on the safari so the biggest thing that we had to worry about were the hyenas and (laughs) it was really creepy because you could hear them like you could hear them in the distance and we had this whole wooded spike situation set up around where we were staying so that the hyenas couldn't get in but it was just a little it was definitely intimidating I've never had to worry about hyenas before so luckily we were with people who knew what they were doing and everything was fine but I do remember like hearing hyenas in the night and being like "Ooh, this is a little creepy (laughs) and I was just thinking about how cool it was on safari seeing the giraffes run because giraffes run in like slow motion it's really cool but I also remember the first time I saw a giraffe we went over to a lady I don't remember how she was connected she worked for the the same organization but she had lived in Kenya her whole life anyway we went over to this lady's house for lunch and she was like oh we have a neighbor in the backyard and I was like what does that mean and we walked to the backyard and there's just like casually a giraffe that has wandered into her backyard like a deer would (laughs) in the states you know and I freaked out I literally cried (laughs) there's a picture of me crying with my hands out like what's going on while this giraffe is just behind me I just I it was just so casual and it caught me off guard and I don't know why I cried I mean giraffes are really cool and I, I guess I'm an emotional person but you know that was the first time I saw a giraffe in the wild you know like not at the zoo but going on safari was quite an experience because I guess like the animals that are normal for Americans to see like squirrels and deer it's such a weird experience to feel like the same about zebras and giraffes you just casually see zebras everywhere in Kenya (laughs) and people are like yeah it's zebras whatever it's no big deal and I I can't quite wrap my head around it because I didn't grow up (laughs) experiencing that. So being on safari and seeing a lot of these animals in the wild was really cool. And one of the first experiences that I had of paying attention, I guess, to the animals that are quote unquote normal. We also rode a camel. (laughs) I'm just thinking through this experience because it was like this random Saturday and some friends, some Kenyan friends of ours were like, hey, let's go to this cake festival. And we're like, okay, cool. Yeah, cake sounds great. So we go to this festival just in this park and there are camels there. And someone's like, oh, let's ride the camel. How much is it? And it, I don't remember the exact amount in Kenyan shillings, but it was equivalent to like a dollar in America. (laughs) Actually though, like we can just ride this camel for a dollar at this cake festival. It was so weird. It was such a weird day. (laughs) I don't even remember like why there was a cake festival. If there was like reason or if it was just, okay, it's Saturday. Like we're going to have a a big cake tasting festival, which is what it was. Like you just walked around and they had a bunch of different kinds of cake and you could sample them, which was lovely. I mean, there was cake, there was camels. I don't know. Also, if you've never ridden a camel, it's absolutely terrifying when they go to stand up because they stand up with their hind legs first. And so you're just leaning forward and you feel like you're about to fall off. I'm weird about animals. I'm like a little afraid of horses and so (laughs) I was definitely wary of the camel. (laughs) I also remember there was a good bit of violence happening in the northern part of Kenya when I was there. So essentially there was an extremist group that was going door to door and asking people if they were Muslim and if they weren't they were killing them. And my dad was very concerned. This was like like 
200, over 200 miles away from where I was. But my dad was really concerned and essentially was like, I'm going to buy you a plane ticket home. Like, you can't stay there, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, my host family isn't freaked out. No one here is concerned. None of the locals are concerned about this violence, like, coming down to Nairobi. So I think we're good. I don't think that you need to be concerned. But if I'm being honest, I wasn't going to go anywhere. Like, (laughs) until my host family was like, yeah, it's no longer safe for us to be here. So we're leaving. Then I would have left with them. But I was not going to be that person who was, I don't know, afraid. And I also, I mean, I was 20 years old. So I guess I may not have known what was best, but I also had no real intentions of leaving. Even if my dad had purchased a plane ticket for me, I definitely wouldn't have shown up for it. So yeah, sorry. We also had a day, I think it was like the last week we were there, that one of the head people of the organization that I was working for had brunch with all of us. So all of the interns, all like nine of us or however many there were. Yeah, I think nine. Math is so hard, guys. I don't know. (laughs) My brain just doesn't have to do that anymore. And so we went to this fancy brunch at this place that was paid for by the company, you know, and it was one of those brunch places where the giraffes were just like right there and would come up to your table and (laughs) eat from your hand if you let them. And it was kind of cool, but also it felt really uncomfortable in a lot of ways because pretty much everyone there was white tourists. I don't know. A lot of the experiences that I had in Kenya weren't super tourists. So that was one of the more touristy things that I did and it definitely felt uncomfortable because it was at the end of the two and a half months that I spent there. So it just felt weird. A lot of my time spent in Kenya was more about the work that I was doing and I mean I don't mean this in a bad way but it was just normal life. Like a lot of the things that I did was just you know go to the market, buy groceries, go to work, get work done, come home, watch a movie with my host family You know, and like we definitely did some out of the norm activities, you know, like going for safari, going on safari and things like that. But a lot of it was just normal life, which has definitely shaped the way that I want to travel. Like that tends to be how I enjoy traveling is finding out where the locals are hanging out or what they're doing, how they're interacting with the world. Because not that there's anything wrong with being a tourist, but it just feels really inauthentic, I guess, in a lot of ways to come into a place and be like, oh, I'm going to do all the really touristy things, but not understand the culture or, or why these things are of value. Yeah, I'd love to answer any questions that you guys have about my time in Kenya. I think that because it was so long ago, I'm kind of struggling to remember a lot of the details. And the things I do remember are so random and strange, like tea time. I remember that no matter where I was, if I was working in the office or at the school or anywhere, once in the morning and once in the afternoon, there was tea time and generally involved some kind of cookies or crackers and sometimes like sausages and bread, but definitely always chai. And I really wanted to institute that when I got back to the States and (laughs) because it was so nice, like having a mid-morning break to take a little snack and chat with your coworkers. I mean, I really enjoyed it from the social aspect of it. I I love tea time, (laughs) but it's hard to piece together all of the things that I remember from, you know, six years ago. It feels like a different lifetime in so many ways. So if you have questions or want to chat more about my time there, I would love 
to talk to you. I'm on all kinds of social media, but the two that I'm probably the most active on right now are Instagram, which is at the Tipsy Traveler Official, and TikTok, which mostly right now consists of how to make different drinks from these episodes. And on TikTok, it's at the Tipsy Traveler. In the future, once traveling is an option again, TikTok will have more content about traveling and packing and, you know, all kinds of fun things that would pertain to traveling. But right now, since it's not happening, it seems difficult and almost impossible to share that kind of content, but also just kind of useless because no one's traveling. So anyway, on next week's episode, I'm going to be talking about planning 101. So I'm going to get into the nitty gritty of how to organize and plan a trip, which is really exciting for me and gets me fired up. But I know that not everyone shares that. (laughs) But I'm going to break down how I plan my finances and save up for different trips as well as just planning out the logistics of it. In the meantime, let me know if you have thoughts or stories that you'd like to share. I love talking. (laughs) So talk to me. Hit me up somewhere on social media and I hope to hear from you soon. Bye bye.